have a lot of things going on in this little brain um, of how I want to try to connect this today. But I want it to, um, hopefully, what we've been going over. Um, you know, we went through a process in January of just, again, going back to covenants. We had done that a couple of years back, but not really the in-depth portion that we looked at those three covenants. Um, and that helps your view on a lot of things. Um, and, you know, we, we went to the point of the talking even... Um, we before last about my beloved, the identity, um, his, you got to, you got to come into the assurance of knowing who you are, knowing that he takes delight in you, that it's not that when you do good, then he takes delight in you. It's that he takes delight in you. Okay. Um, and so we looked at that portion just a little bit week before last bill did excellent job last week. If you weren't here, go back, listen to the podcast, but um, just a beautiful job, really, um, I thought, just kind of taking and integrating what we all been talking about already. So well, that was a beautiful job last week. Appreciate it. Um, and so today, um, I want to kind of go through um, some of the same stuff to kind of connect your brain so your heart gets a revelation, right? One of the things we've been talking about is this intellectual problem that we have a lot of times, like we come into this relationship, so to speak, in an intellectual part instead of our heart. And whenever that happens, our heart is not made whole. And so if our heart's not made whole, then the rest of us is not made whole. Um, And so we want to come to the place of kindness that leads us to repentance. But so I I started thinking about um, that we are coming up. I didn't realize it was next week, but, you know, it is coming upon us. But... um, I wanted you to think about Easter in a different light, maybe. Um, I wanted you to see, get a foundation of why Jesus died. Why did he have to die then, right? So we went through those three covenants, and, and you, and you kind of see some of that. Um, but you've got to realize that it was long before the covenants ever were established that he was already pursuing and ready to come get us, right? Um, that it was... Before the foundation of the world, it says the lamb was slain. So um, I want you to kind of see that there is more to it than a lot of times that we take credit for or a lot of times that we don't know. And it's going to help us, I believe, in this revelation of righteousness. It's going to help us in this revelation of, oh, okay, I see his pursuit, but I also want you to see sin. So two things that I kind of want to go through today is his pursuit for you and what actually is sin. And then kind of go into even more of the cross next week um, as we kind to go into this Easter season, but then continuing with that same stream that we've been following in of he delights in you, of the fact that you are the righteousness of God, of the fact that you are here for a reason, that the earth is on tiptoe, right, waiting for the sons of God to rise up and take their place. And I believe what we're going to talk about today um, is going to still take us deeper into that revelation of that, um, to the revelation um, of that God loves you. and so one of the things that I wanted to start off with, very familiar passage, Psalm 4610. Um, so not a whole portion, just a one phrase I want us to think about. And Psalm 4610, some of you could quote it, but be still and what? Yeah, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. That word there, be still, stop striving is what it means. Stop striving. You know, we did a little exercise at the beginning to kind of 
do this little breathing thing, right? And sometimes we're striving to get there. Oh, I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it. I don't see nothing. <laughs> like I try to get you to have this view of what Adam may have looked like, right? And you're just like striving, striving, striving. Just rest. He's like, be still. Be restful. Stop striving, right? Um, in the uh, Passion Translation, it talks about to release anxiety. If you got your Passion Bible with you. Release anxiety. Think about that. <laughs> like, you're angst. Like, we wake up, we were born into a world of angst, right? So he's like, release anxiety, then know that I'm God, right? You, you have this tight grip on what you think it's like. You have this tight grip of what you think I'm like. <laughs> you have this tight grip of what you think you're like and what everybody else is like. But I'm just telling you, be still. Let go of that anxiety. Let go of all of that and begin to know that I'm God. Remember one of the things we talked about before last was Peter. And whenever he called him, he went from Simon and now I'm going to call you Peter, right? It was in the revelation of, who do you say I am, Peter? Who does everybody else say that I am? Well, they say this, they say that. Some say John, bad, you know, all this kind of, Elijah, whatever, right? And then they, and he's like, but who do you say I am, Peter? And whenever he announces who he says that he is, he says, you didn't get that. You got that from my father. Like, there was an eternal revelation that the Father God came to you, talked to you, and revealed that to you. And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. What? The revelation of who Jesus is, right? The revelation of who God really is. I'm going to begin to build my church upon that rock. So I'm going to change your name to now Peter. Notice, whenever he gets the revelation of God, he is, then he can talk to him about who he is, Right? Remember we talked about that? That when you get the revelation of who God really is, then you can talk to you about the revelation of who you are. Some of the things that we've been talking about over the last few months, sometimes you still don't get a revelation of who you actually are because you still don't have a revelation of who he is. So that was one of the things that we went through that whole covenant process was for you to see that God is not some schizophrenic God, that he's not just going back and forth, back and forth, and that um, I heard in one example this week that he is not the bully on the playground, Right? Like, you got the bully on the play, playground, and you got this friend um, who, who takes care of you, you know. But as soon as the friend that takes care of you, he has to go off or he's not there that day for recess, what's going to happen? Bully's going to get you, right? And we treat God like he's the bully on the playground, and Jesus is the one who interferes for us and takes up for us. But then what happens if Jesus is not there that day? What if Jesus turns his back that day because we were bad that day? Right? And we know that sounds like a crazy example, but we've all lived there. I mean, we really have. Subconsciously, we have lived there. Sometimes we still live there now. Because that's the way we were taught. Not just taught in church, but you were born into this disease. You hear me? Like, I know a lot of times we talk about some of the, the, the religion that we came from, right? That we tried to break free from. But I want you to think about religion is just a fruit of what the disease really is. Right? We didn't need religion to teach us that. We were born into this disease that believes that about him. That has this automatic notion towards him. And that's what I want to hopefully try to get you to see today as we merge into this. I just kind of want us to kind of go into that era. So one of the two things that I want us to look at today is um, 
the relentless passion that he has for us. And that is, when I say that he has for us, when I'm talking about that every time, in case I forget to say it today, but every time I'm talking about that, I want you to realize that I'm not just talking about Papa. I'm not just talking about Jesus. I'm not just talking about the Spirit. I'm talking about the Trinity. I'm talking about Father, Son, Holy Spirit that do nothing out from each other. They are a constant circle of, of, of who they are. Right? So if we're going to understand this passion, this relentless passion that he has for you, we have to understand that it was always that way. Before they said, let there be light, they were in that relationship. Right? We've got to go back and remember that they were in this relationship this whole time. Endless pursuit of one another. Right? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. So they were there together all along in this flow. Right, And we talked about that when we talked about perichoresis. You know, when we looked at the definition of perichoresis and this great dance, this ebb, this flow, that not one moves without the other. Right, And so there they are in that perfect passion, this relentless passion of a constant giving of one another. Right, And in that constant giving, there's a constant receiving one from another. Right, And inside that circle, they decided and put their thoughts where? On you. Because that relentless love is expressed out. It wasn't that God was bored one day and says, I need something to do. I think I'll just create the heavens and the earth. If we do that, because sometimes we believe that, right? And so if we believe that, then, then we're, we're just the, the puppets on the string, so to speak. Um, we go into, that's how, you know, Calvinism can kind of steer out that way. Um, because you, you are there because... You know, he's just toying along with you. Like this is just his little play and, and you're just the role in it. And so he's just acting you out just like, um, it's like Sadie's back there with her, you know, crayons and stuff. She's just drawing it out. And that's what those characters are going to be. Right? That's what we believe sometimes. That's what we even taught sometimes. Right? Um, but you got to understand that out of this great flow, out of this great relationship, they created you. Not way over here, but you were created inside the circle. Mm, yeah. Let that sink in. You were, let that get in here, not just here. You were created inside that circle. The circle of what? This ebb, this flow, this giving, this receiving of each other, this authentic freedom, this authentic Peace, the shalom of God that it talks about, where is that perfect rest, at perfect peace, that there is no division there, there is no angst, there's no anxiety there that we just talked about. There is none of that. And in that created life, that's why John 10, he can talk about, I came to bring you life and abundant, because that's what you were created inside of, abundant life. That is the greatest picture of abundant life. And it was already there before they said, let there be light. Right. So the other thing that we want to look at is that sin is the spiritual disease that infiltrated human race. So that's what I want to merge those two things together of why did Jesus die? Why did he ha why did Jesus have to die? Um, and, and, and why did it, why, why the cross at Easter? OK, so this was a plan from the beginning. God to give himself to us, nothing less to be filled with this divine life from the very beginning. That was his desire for us, right? So look with me to John chapter 1. And I'm in the Passion Version. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning, the living expression. What? What's the phrase there? Living expression. 
So you think about what we just described. Can't you just see it? That is the living expression. When? From the very beginning, in eternity of all eternities, before time and space began on this earth, before there, it's hard for us to fathom, but it always has been them. In that life, living and expressing it out. And out of that expression, what happened? Let there be light. Okay? So, and, so in the beginning, the living expression was already, what? There. It already existed. Okay? This perfect harmony, this perfect unity, this perfect love, this perfect holiness, this perfect righteousness, this perfect everything in that circle. So whenever I say that, you can't just imagine, okay, Papa, he's, you know, some of us are too afraid to say Papa, so we say the man upstairs or God or whoever. It's not God way over there, Jesus down here, and somewhere this weird thing called the Holy Spirit that the Pentecostals invented starts spinning around on your head. No, it is they all three were together. Got it? In this living expression. It says the living expression was with God, yet fully God. They were together. The word is pros there, meaning what? Face to face. Some translation can go even further, meaning mouth to mouth. You think about that when we started this whole thing off today with the breath. What do you do whenever you give CPR? You blow, you blow Yahweh into their body. That's what you're doing. You're putting Yahweh back into their body. Life. Right? Mouth to mouth. It is the perfect love of the Father for the Son and the perfect love of the Son for the Father all expressed in the expression of the Spirit of God in between them going round and round in this great circle dance. They were together face to face in the very beginning and through his creative inspiration this what this living expression that existed at all times made all things for nothing has existence apart from him a fountain of life was in him for his life is light for all humanity in that circle in that full life you were not an afterthought. You are not, oh, we're bored today. What can we? No. In this exhilarating, like I'm trying to give you as many words to try to describe because we just can't fathom how deep and how wide this really is. But in this exhilarating life that they're doing, you were created on the inside of that circle, not, hey, let's put this over there and maybe over there. No. You see that. It was always him inside all living things. Like, that was his desire, right? The pursuit of you is way beyond our imagination. Skip down to verse 14. And so this living expression, look at, look at what he says. Living expression became a man and lived among us. We gazed upon his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father. What? Over flowing again a term used in that great circle circle dance it was an overflowing and that overflow was a gift and that other 
other one was receiving, and it was a constant overflow of give and receive. There was no such thing as self-centeredness. There was no such thing as self-promotion. There was none of that. It was self-giving and self-receiving. And in that overflow, all those things were created. The glory of the one and only who came for the Father, overflowing with tender mercy. And then I want you to pay attention to this word right here. What? Truth. Truth. I want you to think about that inside that circle. What was truth like inside that circle? Truth there means reality. <laughs> you know what that? That's what the word truth there means. It means reality. So truth in this and reality in this is perfect love. Reality was that they perfectly loved one another. They perfectly were holy. Not that they never sinned. Right? What is holy? It's other than. Like there was nothing like them. Perfect. Holiness. Holiness means again, other than. Not just without sin. And in that expression, you were created. Right? Multiple passages show us the Father, and I started to write them all down, but then it got to be so many, so I just said, I'll just say, multiple passages show us the Father loves the Son, the Son loves His Father, and they share in this love and an unchained fellowship with the Spirit. So you can't talk about one without talking about the other. You can't. That's how ingrained they are together, right? So, Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. Go with me there. Verse 4. And in love he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. He did what? Chose you before he ever said, let there be light. Before any of it, he chose you. He, you were on his mind before he said, let there be light. You were on his mind before he said... Adam becoming to be before he brewed, uh, blew breath into Adam, you were already on his mind. Like that many thousand years later, he's like, What's up, hey, hey, Ron? You on my mind? Like, like you were inside that. So, like, and I don't think we realize or grasp how big this is. Like, the cosmos are huge. Like, we're still discovering galaxies upon galaxies that we don't even know about. Like, you're just in one of the galaxies. You see what I'm saying? Like, that's huge. And they are all in their hands. So, think how big they are. But yet, how much they pursue you. And you were on their hearts and on their minds from the very beginning. It says, and in love. Not in wrath. Not in wrath did he choose you to whoop you, to smoke you, to smite you. Not in wrath did he say, I'm going to whip that boy if he don't. In love, he chose you before he laid the foundation of the universe, before the cosmos existed. Because of his great love. Again, when I say his, I'm talking Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in that great circle dance, because of His great love, He ordained us. Why? So that we would be seen as holy, not sinless. Holy means other than. Like there's no other 
no other like them. So that means He created you to be no other what? Like you. Let that sink in. That there be no other like you. Because of His great love, He ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in His eyes with an unstained innocence. And this innocence that we're talking about here is not just without making a mistake. We're talking about the innocence, and I'm about, about to, we're about to go through Genesis and just look at it. But when we're talking about the innocence here, a lot of times we've just been taught, well, they didn't mess up. So he doesn't look at us like we messed up anymore. No, we're going back to, I'm talking about way deeper than that, to the innocence that Adam and Eve shared before sin entered the world. Because they were able to share in this great flow just like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was before they said, let there be light. They were in that flow. They were in an innocence with one another so deep. We can't even, we don't even know how to fathom that because we've never lived in a world without peace or anxiety. So we, we have a hard time comprehending this, but they had none of that. So there was no self-centered anything in their body. <laughs> It, you think about how much we do for self. It's all based on self, right? I mean, even the little subconscious things that we do all throughout the day. And when it don't go our certain way, somebody doesn't get out of our way on the road, somebody doesn't do this, we honking, yelling, throwing the bird, whatever we need to do, get them out the way, they in my way, right? I got somewhere to go like they don't. Obviously, they don't have to be there as fast as you, but... <laughs> You know, we all do those kinds of things. It doesn't go our way. They had none of that. That's the innocence I'm talking about. They had never experienced anything like that. So there was a perfect, you have me, I have you, intimacy with one another. But they also had it with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Right? So um, he says in verse 5, For it was always in his perfect plan to do what? Adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus. This was his what? His plan all along. Like this is not an afterthought. The cross is not an afterthought. You realize that? Like it's not an afterthought. It's not like, oh crap, what do we do now? Like it's not an afterthought. It is right now. Like they planned this from the whole time. Through our union with Jesus, the anointed one. Why? So that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify His grace for the same love He has for the beloved Jesus that He has for us. And this unfolding plan brings Him great pleasure. This unfolding plan that they were there in that place and they were so confused after the cross and they were like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Right? The Romans are sitting there thinking, just another crucifixion. We did it. Right? The Jews are sitting there thinking we manipulated the Jew, I mean the Romans to do what we wanted them to do and victory for us, right? The disciples are sitting there saying, Oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, what happened? Everything's not like we thought it would be. And then after the resurrection, they begin to be flooded with truth. When I say truth, I'm not just talking about scriptures, I'm talking about truth in reality of what really happened, who they really are, and who he really is. They begin to be flooded with that. This plan began to be enlightened to them. And they wanted to tell the world. Right? 
And somewhere along the way, we've lost our way and we've got caught up with laws and religion and all kinds of things. But he is sweeping across this Western world and he is re-getting to us. You know, he's trying to show us who he really is. In fact, um, there is over 40 times in the book of John that it says that that um, Jesus was sent by God. Like this was not like Jesus trying to, you know, like I said earlier, he's not the one that's standing in the way of the bully. Like we've been taught, right? Well, as long as Jesus is standing there, I mean, he's going to see Jesus, he won't see me. But what happens if Jesus does like this for a second? What if Jesus got to bend over, scratch his leg for a second? Bro, what's going to happen to me? You know? Or what if I mess up today and Jesus don't want to stand in my gap today? God's not the bad guy. It says over 40 times that he sent Jesus. Like they doing this thing together this whole time, coming after you. Papa was always pursuing us. So let's look at, and let's just merge these two things together. Sin, we've been taught. Now, you go back a couple of hundred years ago, you got the Westminster Catechism, and this is what they said the definition of sin was. Any conformity unto our transgression of the law of God, right? Any conformity to or any transgression to the law of God. Now, we don't even see the law come into effect till Moses, right? Did sin enter the world before Moses? Yes. So that's not really that true, right? Like, so I would like to propose to you that the breaking the law is just a consequence of the root. Right? So let's look at that. Adam, more than breaking the rules, whenever he, he and Eve partook of the apple, that was not even the first sin. That biting part. That was just a root. I mean, that was just a fruit of the root. Because what did they do? They believed the lie. First, for they ever took the bite, they believed the lie. And because they believed the lie, what came next was actual action. So, go back to Westminster's definition of sin. It goes much deeper than breaking the law, than actually doing something wrong. That's just the fruit is the consequence of the sin, which is the disease. It is the root. It is a disease that infiltrates the whole system, right? And so you got to think about, um, you got to think about it's, it's an organic disease. Like it just took care of the whole thing. Like um, you ever leave some fruit up on the, the counter a little bit too long? Like, of course, bananas, they turn black, and then we're just like, oh, we just throw them away. But, like, like oranges or something like that, and they just start getting slimy and stuff. I ain't never done that because we eat them too fast, but you know what I'm talking about. You'll find one that the kids left under the car seat, though. <laughs> <clears throat> You're like, what is that smell? It's like, how does that, that tastes so good, become so bad, right? Well, that's the example here. How does something so good become disgusting as it is? 
Well, it's because it's the disease set in and it infiltrated the whole system. It began to infiltrate Adam and Eve's whole system until it infiltrated the whole mankind. It's a disease. The sin is the disease, right? So think about them in that garden before they did that, before they believed the lie. They were in the garden. They had freedom. Adam and Eve shared love, right? They knew what it was to be loved, and they knew what it was like to love. They knew what it was like to know, and they knew what it was like to be known. They knew what it was like to give, but they also knew what it was like to share. They knew what it was like to laugh, to play, to experience and enjoy life. Freedom in that, right? Where I'm not worried that you're cheating on me. I'm not worried that you looked at somebody wrong. I'm not, well, there wasn't nobody else there. But anyway, they still weren't worried about that, right? There was none of that. They had complete freedom, right? And so the fruit, they they shared that. It wasn't like it was just built into them at creation that, all right, we're going to put this into your brains whenever we create you, Adam and Eve, that you can't think that way. No, that was that was what they were experienced because of the fruit of something. And I wanted you to sh I want to show you what the fruit of that was, okay? So John 8:32, go with me. Because you hear, well, why didn't he just make us all where we just didn't have to deal with it, right? Why didn't he just make us like Adam and Eve where they, if they experienced it like that, then... Or if he made them like that, then why did they choose to believe the lie? Because he didn't make them manufactured on that day where it was like this hardship put in them to say, you can only do these things. He gave them what? Free will, right? In that free will... What he gave them, what they're, that that they were able to experience was the fruit of this. John 8, 32 says this. For if you embrace the what? Huh? Truth. It will do what? Woo. Think about it. Embrace the what again? Truth. It will what? Release true freedom into your lives. Listen to Dr. Simmons. The truth Jesus gives us releases us from the bondage of our past, the bondage of sin, which is the disease, the bondage of religion. And Jesus was speaking these words to those who were not fully free from man's traditions. Truth must be embraced and worked out through the divine process of spiritual maturity. Listen to what this word truth means here. The Greek word for truth here is reality. You know how we say all the time, your real reality is that you are seated in heavenly places, not this place is not your real reality. A lot of times we just don't, we're looking at this instead of what our real reality is. And so we have this sin, sinful eyes that are showing us a different lens of how to look at everything, right? So let's reread this verse taking the word truth and putting reality. For if you embrace the reality, the realness of who you really are, of who he really is, well, what's it going to do if you'll just embrace who he really is, the reality of who he really is, and who he really says that you are? It will do what? Release. It's going to release something inside you, which is what? True freedom. True freedom into your lives. So, think about that. So they experienced this true freedom. Did they not? 
What did they know? They knew the reality. They knew that they were the prized creation of God, right? Made this, it was good. Made this, it was good. Made this, it was good. Made these, and it was good. Last day, Adam and Eve, and it was very good, right? They knew they were the prized creation. What else did they do? They knew they were prized creation because he released responsibility to them, authority to them. Like, you have dominion over all this. Now go and multiply it out everywhere. They saw the responsibility that he had put on them, right? They see that they are the prized creation, and they know that they are the prized creation, right? What else did they know? They knew that they were delighted in. They knew their name was Hephzibah, that the Lord takes delight in you. They knew it. Like they had a baptism of assurance to know that they were the prized possession of God, that they were delighted in by God. And so baptizing them in this assurance did what? It guaranteed them to be free with each other, to be free with him and to be free with one another. Baptized assurance. And so the fruit was they were able to experience this great life. But then what happened? They believe the lie. So I want you to think about this. I'll give you an example. Got little kids at home. Any of them afraid of the dark? Yeah? Right? Got to have that light on, huh? Or night light or something, right? And so we watch stuff like Monsters, Inc. And we think there's a monster in the closet. Or whatever. Monster on the bed, monster in the closet, or some of you older ones watching like Freddy Krueger and stuff and think it's going to chop you up because you're on the wrong street. Anyway, um, so, but think as a little kid. Like they're going to scream. They really think sometimes that floor is lava or whatever, and they're going to stand up on that bed. They ain't getting out. They're going to scream until what? You come turn that light on. Something amazing happens when the light cuts on. And they're able to maybe get out of that bed. But at that moment, what happens to them? They are baptized with the assurance that that monster is real. And all of a sudden, what happens to their bodies? Anxiety creeps in. And when anxiety creeps in, all those other things begin to creep in. Fear. Frozen. Can't move. Start seeing other things that are not even there. Right? And it just begins to do what? It's like a disease, and it just begins to get worse and worse and worse. What happened with them? In the fall, as we already said, it didn't start by them biting the fruit. It started what? In their resp- it started in their belief, believing the lie. What was the lie? Remember? I'm going to try not to go through all this stuff in Genesis just to save time, but what was it? That's right. That you wasn't like God already, right? God knows that you're going to be like Him. They already were. They were created what? In the image of God. In the image of God, they were created. Right? And so they doubt also in that they are doubting their identity. But what are they also doubting? And these are why these are the two most important things that we say everybody must get a foundation in. Say it louder, Bill. They doubted that he was good. And that's why Jesus begins to deal with Peter. When you can understand who God is, I can then get you to understand who you are. 
So when they believed the lie, the direct response was no longer a baptism of assurance. It was a baptism of anxiety. That started when they believed the lie. And so you think about it. When the baptism of anxiety come over, their whole lenses changed. It's like they saw a whole different world. The world had not changed. But they saw it completely different. What did it produce in them when that anxiety happened? That baptism of anxiety. What did the first thing it produced in them? Hiding. Right? Is that freedom and hiding? No. No more. They're not freedom anymore. Now they're hiding, right? What else are they doing? Self-protection. We gotta hide. We got he might get us, right? What else? Self-centered. Gotta save my own tail. Right? Not only I gotta save my own tail, who am I gonna blame? That snake you put here. That woman you put over here, right? See how it just shifted so fast. Baptism anxiety all of a sudden brought in all these things of self-centeredness. And like a disease, it infiltrated the whole human race. And when it did that, it destroyed their freedom. It destroyed their fellowship. It all of a sudden brought anger into the world. It brought bitterness into the world. And on and on and on we can go. But the worst thing of all, Genesis 3, verse 8, worst of all, it did this. It filled them with dread and fear. What were they doing the whole time? They heard God walking. And they were what? They were afraid. And they were hiding. They were afraid. And they were hiding. And we, for generations, for thousands of years, have been hiding ever since. You see, as I said earlier, you didn't have to have religion to teach you that. Religion is just a product of this. There's many people that don't go to church that still believe this today. That God's out to get them. And just screw God if that's what kind of God he is. Right? That's right. So you got the religious that are out there trying to do everything just right to appease him so he doesn't get them. You got the others that are out there saying, screw a God like that, I ain't got nothing to do with him. And all the while, neither, neither group know the Father. Know the intimate, passionate love that the Father has for them because they don't have the lens to see it. They have not come into reality and baptized with the assurance that God is for me, that he is good, and that I'm made whole. When we come into that, that's why he came. Look at John 1.14 again. We read it just a second ago, but look at it again. I'll read it one more time. Why did he come? Why did he come? Why did he have to do this? Just to pay for my sins? Like, I want you to think about that. Like, the payment was made, yes, but it wasn't a clean ledger that was going to free us of this disease. Does that make sense? Like, just because you got your, your ledger cleaned off that, okay, did this wrong this day, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong. Like, yeah, we get that clean slate, but it wasn't the clean slate that we get that's going to heal us from the inside out. 
He came to heal our disease of sin, which was the separation of the anxiety of not knowing who he is, not knowing who we are. All that other stuff is just the product of that. Everything is a product from that place. And so he came to heal us of this disease that we call sin. And so the living expression became a man, lived among us. I want you to think about that. Incarnate is the word that some of your translations use. And that means flesh. That means he came into the deepest, uttermost parts to come into our reality. Like the reality that we thought existed, he came into that reality to show us that there's a different reality. Does that make sense to you? Like he entered into that. Like he was born into that. Like, what if it didn't work? (laughs) You know? What if it didn't work? What if he would have got here and he saw everything like we saw it and he'd choose to believe the lie too? Because he was tempted by every point as we are tempted. And yet he still believed Papa was good. And so he showed us, he come into our reality. The word grace, by the way, means to stoop down. So what he did by grace, he did what? He stooped into our mess. Into our vision of God, into our vision of ourselves, into our visions of others. And he stooped into the very middle of it to heal it completely of this disease, right? So his, the cross was the eternal no to say, no, I don't want that for you. Like, I'm pursuing you. Like, the wrath, there is wrath of God, but it is the wrath of God that's coming after anything that separates you from him. And he will do everything to try to burn that thing up so that it does not keep you from him. couple more passages. I promise we're done. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For, if it, for it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and holds us tightly because we are, key word. Anybody got it? Convinced. Convinced. What I say? The baptism of what? Assurance. For it is Christ's love that fuels our passion and holds us tightly because we are, what, convinced that he has given his life for all of us. This means how many? All died with him so that those who live should no longer live, what, self-absorbed lives, but lives that are poured out for him and the one who died for us now lives again, right? We would have used to read that and say, and live our lives poured out for him, meaning we owe him something. He's not saying you owe him something. He's saying you now are part of this reality to realize that you are inside the great circle dance of a constant giving and receiving. And out of that is an overflow. And out of that overflow is a constant give and receive. And that overflow is going out of you to everybody around you, but is also going to back to him. And you're inside that circle dance with them. And so everybody that comes in contact with you gets to experience that with you. (laughs) Go to the next one, 1 Peter 1, 3.
celebrate with praise is the God Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has shown us his extravagant mercy. For his fountain of mercy has given us a new life. We are reborn to experience a living, energetic hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Why did he die? Why did he come? To heal you of this disease so that you can finally see who he really is and see who you really are and live in this great expression and in this great circle dance. Ephesians 2, last one. Verse 4. But God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy, even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, in this disease. He united us into the very life of Christ. Before I keep going, I want you to think about that orange example. Like, what do we do with those oranges that look like that? Oh, wait, they're utterly destroyed. So Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, had to come up with a way to say, we've got to bring them life without killing them. Right? And so what did he do? He put them in the cell. Yeah. Joined them to himself so that his life would overtake the disease. Boy, that just make you want to cry right there. Boy, that's good stuff. Even when we were dead and doomed our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and did what? Saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now, not past tense, now co-seated as one with Christ. That's your new reality. But we got to get a baptism of assurance about that. If we're wanting to see transformation, we have to be assured that we know that we know that that is true. Let's pray. Father, you are good. You're better than we think. Better than we give you credit for. far much deeper, far much more intimate than we can imagine. So we ask that you enlighten us. Give us deeper revelation of who you really are. Give us deeper revelation of who we really are and our reality. Baptize us with an assurance like no other. To say we are confident that my God is good. He takes delight in me and I am a new creation. And in that confidence, Father, I pray you raise us up. A new generation. Set apart. Other than. Take our place. and reveal your glory. 
On this earth as the waters cover the sea. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just take a moment, just for a second. I just want you to close your eyes one more time. And I want you to now picture yourself like that. A lot of times I, we're praying with our children. They see visions and things that of the Father dancing over them, smiling, laughing. I just want to go revisit that first verse. Be still, know that I'm God. Quit striving. Release anxiety. Know your reality. Know that I'm God. And just whisper that to him. Father, I want to know who you really are. I want to know who I really am. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you. Have a great week. Love you guys.